I'm not a picky eater. I just like what I like and don't like what I don't like. For instance, I don't like vegetables. It's a moral stand. I just don't like them. It's too much, too much, not, there's just not, no, I like corn. Corn is good because it's not a vegetable. And I like vegetables that are fried, like fried broccoli. That's okay. But, but like asparagus, nah, you know, Brussels sprouts, nope. Mm-mm. I didn't eat them when I was young. I'm not eating them now. I just, I, I, part of being a grown up is I don't have to eat vegetables until my wife sneaks them on the plate somehow. So. I'm, so I'm not picky. I just like what I like and don't like what I don't like. Now, when I was a kid, then I was picky. I was like, I have total patience for picky eaters because, frankly, when I was a kid, I was ridiculous. I mean, I was just, you know, the kid that exasperates you that won't eat anything and like has to, oh, that speck touched my food. I'm not eating it. That was me. I was that kid. Like, I only liked hamburgers, plain with mayonnaise only, specifically from Burger King. I wouldn't eat McDonald's. I wouldn't eat Hardee's. I wouldn't eat one that my mama made. I would only eat a plain hamburger from Burger King with mayonnaise only. That's all that I would eat. So my mom, being a genius, um, did this one day. One day I came home from school, and I, there was a hamburger there waiting on me. It was a, it was a hamburger had the, it had a burger from Burger King, so I tore open the wrapper and ate the burger. It was so good, and I loved it. And I said, oh, Mom, thanks for the burger. He said, well, Andy, I have to let you know something. That was from Burger King. I made it, and I wrapped it in a Burger King wrapper. <laughs> so she, so she, she got me. So I, I guess I liked the wrapper more than I liked the actual, the actual food uh, from Burger King. But uh, I was very picky for most of my early childhood, really up until I, until I got older. And then something happened. I went to college. And in college, you're poor, broken, hungry. And you will eat anything. <laughs> I, I, my first, one of my first church jobs was I was the youth pastor at Raymond United Methodist. And I would, we'd have church. And after the service would be over, I'd be sitting at the front of the, around the altar, just kind of visiting. And some of the sweet ladies would come up to me and said, well, Andy, what are you doing for lunch? I guess nothing. Would you like to eat with us? Oh, I'd hate to impose. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I had a racket, man. It was great, you know. And I would eat whatever I was served because I was poor, broken, hungry. And it didn't, you know, your pickiness kind of goes out the side whenever, uh, whenever you're poor, uh, broken, hungry. Uh, you eat a lot of stuff at that point. So, so hopefully, as I've grown older, my palate has expanded somewhat, I, I, I would hope, although I still prefer my cheeseburgers with mayonnaise only, a little bit of ketchup on the side. Um, so I'm not quite that adventurous, but hopefully I've grown a little bit. You know, life, life is about growth. We all grow. None of us are the same right now as we were when we were teenagers. None of us are the same right now as we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. We always grow and expand and learn and change and become different. And that's a good thing. 
It's a good thing to, 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 to grow deeper, to change, to, to become better who God wants us to be. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to grow. In fact, in Christian language, Christian concepts, that's kind of what we're called to do. Jesus Christ calls us to grow. Jesus Christ calls us to be changed. Jesus Christ calls us to be made more like him. The big fancy theology word for it is sanctification. We're called to be sanctified. We're called to grow. We're called to be made more like Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this whole Christian journey, is to be transformed to his likeness. And one day, when we cross over Jordan, we'll be completely made as he wants us to be. So we're called to grow. We're called to grow deeper and to be made more like Jesus. As we sang and take time to be holy. I love that song. That in our conduct, his likeness to see. That's what we're called to do. Today, we read a story about Nicodemus. In, in this, in this, in this um, Lenten series, we're talking about following him. We're looking at individuals that follow Jesus. And what that meant their lives. And how following Jesus changed people. And how when you follow Jesus, it changes you and draws you deeper to him and just changes who you are. Following Jesus is a true life-changing thing. So today we look at Nicodemus and we see this. I mean, John chapter 3. Come on, y'all. You've heard a million sermons on John 3.16. That's good stuff. John 3.16 is good stuff. That's, that's what I'm talking about right there. But to me, in John 3, it's not just John 3.16. I love what follows John 3.17. For Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, that the world might be saved through him. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. As followers of Jesus Christ, our only response to lost people, our only response to the world cannot be sheer condemnation. Yes, we have to stand for what we believe. And yes, we have to be holy. And yes, we have to chase after Jesus. But if all we do is metaphorically punch folks in the face for Jesus, they'll never come to him. We have to love them to Jesus. Jesus Christ said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That through believing in me, you can be saved now and you can be saved forever through my blood. This is what he says. He says, this is judgment. Light came to the world. And folks love darkness more than they loved light. Jesus Christ said, I came to save the world, but I came to give the world a choice. I came to allow the world to choose to follow me or to not. You know how much God loves you? He loves you so much. He will let you choose to reject him. God loves you so much, he has given you the free will and the ability to say, No, Lord, I will not follow you. I reject you. That's how much God loves you. That God will never coerce you into following him. It will always be your choice. The ball is always in your court. You choose what you do with him. This is judgment. Light's coming to the world. And people love their darkness more than they loved light. John's gospel is such a neat gospel. Because it's so deep. And there's so many images 
running around John's gospel that are just full of everything. John's just a beautiful, a beautiful gospel. So with Nicodemus today following Jesus, I want to pay attention to what Jesus told him, but there's something else significant about Nicodemus today. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, religious leader, one of the leaders of Israel on the Sanhedrin, was a very important man in, in the religious life of Jesus' day. So he was a respected teacher, looked up to by all. Yet Jesus was this new rabbi teaching, teaching as Scripture says, teaching with, as one who had authority, teaching in a way that was different. And people came to flock to hear Jesus preach and teach. So Nicodemus, too, just like everybody else, wants to hear what Jesus wants to, has to say. But notice in Scripture, when Nicodemus came to hear Jesus, he came by night. Now, that just doesn't mean that he came after sundown, which it does. But in John's gospel, in the passage we read earlier from Ephesians, did you notice in these passages the inter- interplay between light and and darkness. Light is the domain of God. Light is the domain of freedom. Light is the domain of grace and holiness and mercy. Light is God's domain. But darkness, darkness is the domain of the evil one. Darkness is the domain of evil and doubt and fear and cowardice and these type things. Darkness is where evil lays. Light is where God abides. So there's a huge deal in John's gospel about light and dark. The people of God live in the light. The people of the world, the people of the devil live in the dark. So when did Nicodemus come to visit Jesus? He came to visit Jesus by night. That doesn't just mean he was coming after sundown. That meant this. He was afraid. He was afraid of what others might think. He was afraid of what, how others might feel about him. He was afraid. What if people found out he went to see Jesus? What if his boss The high priest found out that he went to see Jesus. What if his friends found out he came to see Jesus? What if others heard that this great teacher of the Pharisees went to see Jesus? He was afraid. He was scared. He was a coward. He was more afraid of what humans thought about him than he was about what God thought about him. He came to Jesus by night because he was afraid. But here's what I want you to hear, church. He still came. He still came. Following Jesus doesn't mean we always get it right. And following Jesus doesn't mean that we're not sometimes afraid. 
following Jesus doesn't mean that sometimes the fear does not well up deep inside us and we are terrified of what we're dealing with. We're terrified of life circumstance. We're terrified of the future. We're terrified of illness. We're terrified of these things. Following Jesus does not mean that we're going to always get it right and we're going to always have steel in our spine and that we're always going to just boldly charge ahead. Sometimes we're just going to be afraid. But I've heard it said like this, courage is not not being afraid. Courage is being afraid and still doing the right thing. Sometimes we're going to be afraid like Nicodemus. And sometimes we're going to feel like we're going by night because we're afraid. And that's okay. The journey has to start somewhere. The journey has to begin somewhere. The journey has to start Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he was afraid and the Lord did not cast him out, but the Lord taught him. The Lord pulled it, poured into him. The Lord loved him. The Lord cared for him. Because here's the other thing Nicodemus shows us. God's not done with us yet. We see Nicodemus' life throughout the rest of John. We see later at one point they were arguing in the Sanhedrin about whether Jesus was really the Messiah. And Nicodemus said, well, you know, no one can do these things without God moving. And the, 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 the Sanhedrin said, whoa, 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 settle down, paraphrasing, settle down. The Bible says the Messiah's got to come from Bethlehem. This guy came from Galilee. Actually, he came from Bethlehem. They just didn't know that. And he says, so are you one of his followers too, Mr. Nicodemus? We see Nicodemus begin to take steps of courage. We see Nicodemus begin to take steps of boldness. Yeah, he was not fully formed yet. He wasn't fully yet who God wanted him to be, but we saw him begin to grow. We saw him begin to have courage. We saw him begin to step up. And and when we kind of see Nicodemus' journey in the Gospel of John be complete is after the crucifixion. In John chapter 19, verse 38 and following, where it says this, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to to, let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who at first had come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. So... After the crucifixion, when everyone had bailed on Jesus, when everyone had ran like scared dogs, when even his closest friends had abandoned him, who's standing there? Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple but in secret, and Nicodemus, and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was there when everyone else had left. Nicodemus stood by Jesus when everyone else had abandoned. And in this moment, when all, when everyone else was gone, who had come to stand up with Jesus, take his body and anoint it for burial in this moment before the resurrection? Nicodemus, this scared man that came to Jesus by night, as the text said, was the bold man that took his body and didn't have to, was under no obligation to do it, but he did it because it was the right thing. Because he was changing, and he was growing, and he was following Jesus. 
following Jesus, being transformed, it's never a, it's never a, a straight path, is it? There's turns, there's bends, there's crooks, there's, there, there, we, we get confused and lost. Looking backward, it always seems like following Jesus is a straight line, but it never is. Our journey of faith, our journey with Jesus is never a straight, perfect line. And that's okay. That's okay. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he was afraid. But he never quit following. And he grew into the man that stood by the tomb of Jesus, getting ready for resurrection. Nicodemus followed. He came by night, and God did amazing things. Today, no matter how afraid you may feel, no matter how worried you may feel, no matter how, no matter how alone you may feel, no matter if you feel like you're coming to Jesus just by night, keep coming to him. Keep following him. Keep chasing after him. The journey of faith is not always perfect. But the God that we chase after is always perfect. Today, may we follow after Jesus. Today, may God grow us into the people that he needs us to be. Let us pray.